0: Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's bi weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, uh, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and co editor of PW Comics World.
1: And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm also co editor of PW Comics World, as well as the graphic novel review editor for Publishers Weekly and the editor in chief of The Beat at www.comicsbeat.com. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons, I'm the podcast producer. And I
2: write for both P.W.C.W. and The B.
0: And you can also uh, find, um, uh, generally find most of the things we talk about on this program at publishersweekly.com slash comics. But this is a special broadcast this week. This is our Jack broadcast. Kirby birthday special broadcast. We're going to talk today just about how the king of comics, how important he's been to the comics medium, to the comics industry, to us personally, and, and in, in so many ways. So we're going to have a quick career overview. We're going to get some personal reactions. We're going to talk a little bit about creator rights and why Jack Kirby remains very important in that area. We'll also have some comments from Rand Hoppy of the Jack Kirby Museum. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some book titles you might want to take, uh, take a look at. Uh, but let's get right to it. Um, Jack Kirby, The King of Comics. Where do we start? Well, um, he came in at the beginning of the comics industry right. in the 1930s. Yeah, he
2: came in around uh, 1939, and he started actually in 1936 doing anonymous newspaper strips, and in 1939 started doing comic book work for Eisner and Iger. Yes, that mm-hmm. Eisner, yes. Will Eisner. Yeah. Working and at the...
0: Uh Eisner, what's the uh, Eisner and Iger? Yes, I, he called
1: he called Eisner a friend, a mentor, and a boss, but yes. not in that order.
0: Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> well, what do you expect from a uh, boss?
2: Uh,
0: he was a, a primarily self-taught artist. Uh, artist, yes. uh, uh, probably not unusual. Uh, he got in very young, but like very young, in his yeah. early teens. <laughs> and uh, in
2: 1940, he teamed up with Joe Simon. And they stayed together for about 15 years, creating some of the best work of their careers.
0: Among which?
2: Among which they created Captain America... For Timely Comics, which later became
1: Marvel, yeah. uh, Captain America, uh, which was an immediate sensation. Uh, the first issue sold out immediately within mm-hmm. a couple of days. The second issue had a print run of a million copies. Um, uh, well, at the time it came out, it was obviously the middle of World War II. Well, early World War II. Early. Nineteen forty-one. Uh, yes, 1941. yes 1941. exactly. Well, I mean, that, yes, the conflict had been going on for a while, and um, uh, you know, it was an immediate sensation and uh, remained their most popular. Creation, however, they did uh, create other characters such as the Newsboy Legion. I mean, they went over then to uh, DC's parent company, and that was their third. More best-selling. on that later. Yes, their third best-selling uh, comic. And this uh, at this the time. is also
0: sort of the beginnings of his conflict with Marvel.
1: Like, I think what's important, you know, why are we talking about Jack Kirby? I mean, I think it's what's really important is that he had a very long career, and it really uh, covered the first. Decades of the comics industry. I mean, he was so yes. wide-ranging in what he did. And and also, whenever you look at the history of these creators, I mean, they wind in and out of the, the history with each other. I mean, you know, we talked briefly about Joe Kubert, who passed away just a couple of weeks ago. And, I mean, he was very young, and I mean, but he was traveling in the same circles. I mean, what we were talking about at the time Jack Kirby broke in is a comics industry that was based on these kind of pulp gangster publishers, all located in New York, Um, You know, artists and writers were constantly looking for, you know, a job that would pay the bills. Um, You know, Kirby did start out uh, after some, uh, you know, little-known syndicate work uh, at Timely, Mm -hmm. where Stan Lee was the nephew of the founder and only a bratty teenager who Kirby did not like at that time. So, I mean, there was immediately a a personality conflict between the the pugnacious Jack Kirby and the... uh, uh, I guess A. Lee, Stanley, uh, the I <laughs> mean Stanley the, yeah. the callow, yeah, the Stan Stanley. Callow, Stanley. <laughs> yes, I mean they had very different, uh, you know, upbringings uh, or, or entrees the to the yes. to the uh, industry. I guess you could say. Well, one so. was related to the publisher. Yeah, and right. The other
0: guy was a guy who grew up on the Lower East Side of New York and yeah. had, had fought for every single thing he had yes, in life. Yes,
1: and I mean, you know, that was just their nature. Things came easily to Stan, and they came very great difficulty to Jack Kirby. Um, but despite this,
2: he is one of the most creative people in comics as far as sheer output of
1: different ideas
2: that absolutely and yeah. captured the mind.
1: Yes, I mean, I, I, and, you know, with every reverse of the industry, he reinvented himself. Um, you know, by the time the 50s came along with the witch hunt, I mean, he and Simon had already had, as you mentioned, Kate, like such an incredibly successful studio. Um, and uh, they, uh, but you know, as the tide was turning against superheroes, they were like, uh, "Let's they do." Just, they were
0: creating they created new the, genres for yes, comics. Yeah,
1: they created the romance comic genre. That's right. So, and that's right. they
2: made an amazing creator deal for it. Yeah, usually
0: profitable for decades.
2: Yeah, yeah. What was the What was the deal? Um, the deal was that they got fifty percent of all profits on all their romance comics from Crestwood and um later this deal went sour but they were able to buy houses with that money
1: right right and um uh, you know once again like as kirby navigated uh the the byways of the of the gangster driven you know publishing world i mean he became at a very early age he was very smart about knowing that it was owning these creations that was important and um, you know, I mean, he saw what happened with Eisner and with Bob Kane, and you know, the people who were smart enough to hold on to their creations. And he always wanted to get into that that situation. Um, and he and Simon did create their own company, uh, just, but it only lasted for a couple of years in the fifties. Unfortunately, it was right when the Wertham was hitting, and uh, they published four titles, but it it did but not. But three of
2: which were vulnerable to the whole Wertham yes. thing. there was a war comic. A uh, Western comic, um crime comic, and, of course, a romance one.
1: But, right. you know, three out of four was bad numbers. Right, right. And, I mean, it was just a bad time. So, uh, you know, here again, uh, Kirby had been uh, perhaps, you know, thwarted by the uh, external factors. But he had to go back and work for his nemesis, Stan yeah. Lee. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, but they had an amazingly, you know, fertile collaboration despite having a very troubled relationship. That's right. Um, Kirby was co-creator with Stan Lee of basically uh, one-third of all the characters in the Avengers movie. Certainly, Uh, yeah,
0: well, for sure. Go on, excuse me.
2: With Joe Simon, he created Captain America. And with Stan Lee, he created uh, Marvel's version of Thor, the Hulk, Iron Man, and the concept of the Avengers as a whole. Not to mention the X-Men, Black Panther, and the celestials and the inhumans who don't have that many comics but are a big part of the world building
0: and if i could just jump in for a second he also essentially created um i guess you could say in tandem with stan lee an entire way of creating comics it's essentially a marvel house style i think i read somewhere that you know uh you know there was steve Ditko, there was jack kirby and basically they wanted everybody else in the bullpen to oh, be Jack Kirby absolutely. as well.
1: Absolutely. Well, I mean, one of the, the reasons Jack methods. Kirby was yeah. what they tried to train right. yes. But the, the reason, Jack Kirby, guys. The reason why they, uh, you know, Stan loved Kirby was because of his work ethic, uh, and yeah. I mean the, he was really driven. I mean he just got there, and uh, you know there's a biography of uh, Kirby by written by Mark Evanier, and he gives the anecdote of uh, Kirby moving house. The last thing they packed was the drawing board, and as he yes. finished up his issue of Thor, the first thing they unpacked packed with a drawing board and he sat down and started to draw the Hulk.
0: As they were moving yeah, right. the rest of the furniture in the house.
1: And he was a phenomenally mm-hmm. fast artist yes. as well. So you know he Stan had incredible was incredible output. So Stan was well, you know, uh, quite s- smartly used Kirby as the uh you know example for other people to uh, burn the Midnight Oil and I mean, just really I mean, you you know. the,
0: Marvel, the Marvel method <clears throat> also obviously it, it, it would it would it it, it made it possible for Stanley to keep a whole a studio of artists Why working don't very we quickly.
1: Explain. But the Marvel method <laughs> I mean, I think what what you're about to describe really is actually a lot of the root of all the problems that Kirby would have with Marvel. Oh, without and, a doubt. And, the
0: root and was a doubt.
2: that his contribution was not fully recognized. Uh, absolutely.
0: I mean, Kirby was able to couple incredible productive output with really dazzling imagination uh, and at the same time, basically, crank out work and this, the, the, the Marvel method, which essentially was Stan Lee sort of giving out very broad verbal suggestions about where the story might go. And the artist, and particularly following Jack Kirby's lead, taking that verbal outline and building it into a complete visual story that Stan Lee would go back in and add dialogue, you know, add some editing where necessary... And this, Jack um, this Kirby
2: was basically co-writer. Exactly. Yes. Uh, exactly. He this it, I asked for the roots
0: of this, the creative dispute and the contractual disputes, because it became very difficult to find out where Stan Lee ended and where Jack Kirby came uh, started as far as creator rights, and or any rights at all for uh, as far as these characters were concerned.
1: Exactly. Um, but I mean, it also uh, fueled uh, Kirby's own. Uh, well, I mean, to call it a persecution complex would indicate that, you know, he was terror, right? It, it wasn't deserved. But I mean, you know, once again, you have to go back to, you know, the fact that Stan was Tony Stark, you know, and uh, Jack was the thing. I mean, Jack you know. was Ben Grimm. There's no <laughs> right, doubt about right. that. Yes, that was very, very <laughs> yeah, much. You, you know. yeah. Yes, so, I mean, over the years of the Marvel, uh, you know, universe becoming the sensation it was, and I mean, you have to understand that in the 60s, I mean, you know, we think comic books are very popular now, and they definitely are, but in the 60s, the Marvel Universe was incredibly hip, and was absolutely read by, you know, college students, um, it was written about, uh, you know, it was very, uh, um, you know, obvious that, that these were very influential comics, I mean, Stan Lee had a night at Carnegie Hall, I mean, and, and in story after story, Stan was given credit as the genius behind the whole thing and you know uh, Kirby just didn't uh, yes
0: so to be sure fans uh, and I'm talking about young kids now and I'm talking about me to some extent Jack Kirby was the 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 flame that you were drawn to I mean you that's what Marvel was I mean yes I mean you know Stan Lee got a lot of credit and I we loved Stan Lee as well but there was no doubt that it was the Jack Kirby drawings, wherever he did, that made you stop and stare and want to pick up that magazine. It right. really was amazing.
1: Right. It was. They and, were a
0: breath of fresh air in the comics and, the comics universe. Uh,
1: you know, I, I feel that uh, we don't know. Uh, we can guess. I mean, it depends on where you stand on the matter to say whether Stan was acting with malice or whether he was really just following the path of least resistance, you know? I mean, I'm not sure that he was actually trying to get Jack, uh, you know, steal all of his thunder or his credits. It's just the simple truth is Stan was just way better at negotiating than Jack was. You well, know? not only
2: that, but Stan Lee was a showman. Yes, exactly. He is, and he was, and he always has been. And I don't think you necessarily need to have malice or forethought to right. be attention hungry exactly. and to take advantage exactly. of all the opportunities exactly. that come your way
1: without it occurring to you that maybe you should give some of this credit right. to your co-creators, right. and I'm sure that Stan also thought that you know he also having come up, even if his uncle was the publisher, having come up in this hard scrabble yeah. world of you know the pulp publishing. Yeah. I mean. For sure, with the success of the Marvel Universe, I mean, I'm sure Stan didn't think it was going to last either, you know. So, I mean, I'm sure he, he was, was at, trying to get what he could. He money. was trying to I get know, what he could.
0: I mean, over the years, actually, I mean when you, you know, uh, when you read the accounts and and, and, I, and I rely on my own failing memory. I mean, you know, the, 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 Stan has swung widely back and forth. I mean, right. there have been times when he has it, it, he is not stinted in praise of Jack Kirby. Right. Yes. he's hailed him as the great genius he has in many cases. Right. Very often during Marvel's er-years of the 1960s, I mean, when the media, when they were drawn... I mean, Kirby was a colorful character, but Stan Lee was a very smooth guy, incredibly funny. I mean, I mean, right. certainly so many of the, the catchphrases that came out of Marvel of those years that we all loved, I mean, it's hard not to give those to Stan Lee. Right. He was a, he was a, a voluble, wag, street... Kind of guy in the '60s mode, but you know, very dapper, and he gave great interview.
2: Exactly, and I mean, yeah, this is not the anti-Stan Lee special, not at all. This is the Jack Kirby special. And you know, sometimes people set it up as this false dichotomy that one's the devil and the other is the poor put upon victim. But instead, both of them were trying to do their best in a system that was, you know, very hard in creators. Well, that's true. Yes.
0: But at the end of the day, you know, I liked Stan Lee, but I loved oh, yeah, Jack yeah, Kirby. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I think that's, you know, that's a fairly universal, um, uh, you know, sentiment there, Calvin. And my and my I, and 12-year-old I, self yes. speaking. And, you. <laughs> uh, you know, so, I, I mean, after about 12 years of this absolute genius, during yeah. which Kirby was drawing, you know, three books a month minimum, and, I, I mean, just creating all these characters that, that are, you know, billion-dollar franchises nowadays... Um, you know, he did have enough. Uh, Marvel was sold, and Stan got a contract as the publisher, and you know, had a cushy job and everything. Yes. And Jack got Dick. He you know? essentially
0: was working as a freelancer. Yeah, he
1: was during the the huge,
0: doing an incredible run of success that was built primarily on his work. Exactly, and it's, it's, unlike
1: a lot of creators, Kirby knew it. Yes, yeah, he, he did. He knew it, and his wife Roz knew it too. She was absolutely the, um, you know, the. Uh, guardian uh, yeah. behind she, the Galactus behind the, yeah. <laughs> and I mean she was very much aware she yeah. was a, the Jack's biggest defender his biggest fan I mean and and you know it was very clear to both of them that they were not getting their due so um, and well no, but like the that point, though, their the contract about, was, was about Roz,
0: cool. I mean one of the thing Mark Evanier says in his biography is that uh, that Jack Kirby was a two person entity yes so just just to make sure that that's that's very clear. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry. What were you saying?
2: I was going to say that that not only did he not get the same kind of deal Stan got by a long shot, uh, the contract that Kirby rejected had all kinds of very restrictive clauses in it, including a prohibition against any legal retaliation at all against Marvel ever. Which I mean,
1: that was not going to fly. And you know, no matter what we were just saying about how maybe Stan wasn't that bad, that's just shitty. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> That was not I, necessarily I, I, Stan, yes, don't whoever, whoever yeah, wrote yeah, that but, contract... Yeah. During those years, Stan room.
0: did have, uh, if I'm not mistaken from the accounts I've read, a, a really rather comfortable mm-hmm. and a comfortable contract and a way better understanding with uh, the publisher than the man uh, that we're doing this podcast about. I yeah. mean, that's what sort of makes you scratch your head when you look back on the period.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: and I, mean, I think that whoever was in charge at that time, a lot of people felt that... You know, somebody like Stan, who they saw as a businessman, they would try to deal with fairly, but someone who was an artist, surely you could just screw an artist over. They're replaceable. Yeah. But Jack Kirby was not. Yeah, Yeah. and
0: some of those, I mean, some of those, I mean, Martin Goodman obviously uh, kind of strung him along and, um, you know, lied to him for many, many decades. But I mean... But once he sold a company, once he sold Marvel uh, to the, the new corporation... They had no clue as to what they were dealing
1: with. And, I mean, again, just, you know, talking about this, I mean, you know, echoes. I mean, we'll get back to this a little bit, the Creators' Rights section, but, I mean, you know, there's so many echoes. I mean, there's just no question that this guy had created the visuals... Of the Marvel Universe. And, and not just the visuals, but probably a good chunk of the plot and of characterization. The whole, of the whole bunch of the plot, the characterization, and, you know, he got nothing. He was not yeah. even valued in any way. And that is, uh, you know, I mean, the outrage began. So uh, uh, even though Jack had not had the best relations with DC in the past you know this was he went there um, and got a better deal
0: and we're talking about roughly the beginning of the the 1970s actually
1: 1970 yeah Yeah. Um, 1970
0: where he moved to to DC now he had done some work for DC in the past right Um, but actually
2: uh, uh, interestingly enough while they were creating Captain America Simon and Kirby were secretly also working for National Comics, which became DC. That's uh, right. Because they felt that they were not getting paid what they were due at Timely and got a a sweeter deal at DC for um, shared $500 a week, which back then was big money, compared to the $75 each that they got Mm. from Timely, which became Marvel, yeah. so they had a history with these. Yeah, and I
0: think well, I think also Kirby uh, nursed a grudge because hadn't Goodman promised them yes. huge royalties from yes. Captain America, exactly. and he didn't deliver on any right. of.
1: Them. Yeah, he yes, he'd definitely and he pit Simon against it, Kirby oh, and screwed, screwed over their first yeah. their friendship and <laughs> Sorry, it was just Marvel. very messy.
0: This is we're just stating our historical hey, record. Hey,
1: it's it's,
2: <laughs> it's past history. None of you are them there then anyway. So you know, no offense, dudes. Right. <laughs> So, the offense comes later. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So he goes to DC. He uh, goes to and DC.
2: He creates the whole epic fourth world, fourth world. saga, yeah. which really was one of the first things to sort of jolt DC out of the complacency and really not terribly good comics it had in the 60s. Which included, you know, all the gods, Dark Side, Mister Miracle. The list goes on. I mean,
0: these comics did not sell that well for DC. Am I mistaken?
2: They they didn't. The Fourth World comics, the Fourth World comics, Mm -hmm. did not sell all that great. Although they were tremendously energized. Oh yeah, they were. They're incredibly creative (laughs) and kind of set off like a creative revolution at DC. But they themselves did not make a whole lot of money. Yes, although and, uh, the characters continued on and became a rich part of the DC universe. But those weren't the only characters he created
1: for DC. Also, uh, like it, DC, absolutely had a uh, anti Kirby. Bias yeah. at that point. The editors who were there did not want their characters drawn by Kirby. So, you know, the He created person, his own stuff. Right. But, but the first idea that they had was to give him Superman. You know, why not put the King of Comics on Superman? And of course, uh, Kirby drew Superman in a way that wasn't yeah. the house style. So he was constantly being redrawn. And I mean, even in Jimmy these are Olsen. The years, these are the Kurt Swan in, years. Yes, the whatever. Kurt Swan years. Kurt so, Swan so he was style. given Jimmy Olsen, uh, yeah. Superman's sidekick, to draw. Yeah. And, and they, um, they
2: told him that he could use that as the platform to start his fourth world thing from. And they let him draw the rest of it, but all of his Jimmy Olsen faces got redrawn yep. because yeah. they didn't like the way he drew Jimmy Olsen's face. Yeah, they
0: did. It, they did it when he did the Superman things that he did. They they basically had Kurt Swan do the faces again. Yep. it was awful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they, they were awful. Um, in
1: considering like Kurt Swan Photoshop. is
0: almost the antithesis of Kirby. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Kirby is like kinetic energy yeah. in, in say, every line.
2: I have to say that when I was reading the Fourth World Saga, I was like. Why does Jimmy Olsen look so crappy compared to everyone else? (laughs) And now there's an answer. (laughs) Uh, And at that same time, he also created Commandy the last boy on Earth, and Jason Blood and the Demon Etrigan, among many other characters. Oh, and Challengers of the Unknown.
0: And let's see, Return to Marvel briefly?
2: Yes, Return to Marvel briefly. In the late 70s. In 1976. Mm -hmm. uh, With a slightly better deal. Left in 1978 because Marvel refused to give health insurance or any kind of employment benefits. It, is, it just makes
0: sure. Spin. It's, it's like fun. if you
2: could keep Jack
1: Kirby, just give the man give health insurance. Health
0: insurance, right?
1: It's 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 breathtaking. But I would also, you know, I mean, nobody was getting health insurance. Right? I just no. want to point out that. Yeah, I nobody was. And but, I mean, yes, I'm not saying. I, I mean, I'm not saying that you know it was wrong. I mean, I'm just yeah. pointing out that this is the entire mindset yes, that existed absolutely. at this time. Right. And, and, and he was trying to fight against was, it and change as things. he had been for his entire career. I mean, this is just an ongoing battle that he had at every front. Where he was trying to get security because he was obsessed with having security. He had a wife. He had four kids. That was his goal: yeah. was to create a, a, you know, some sense of financial security to leave for his family. Yeah. And um, at that and to point, get what he felt he was due. Yes, yeah. and at that point, he decided that maybe animation was a better career, and he did move west, and he hey, did. Free. He worked on <laughs> Thunder the Barbarian and a few other shows, and actually did you know? He did, yeah. He created a lot of the
2: truly triply weird
1: late
2: 70s early 80s Hanna barbera just completely yes. weird cartoons and apparently they have an archive there which has just they just recently dusted off and started looking at of like just these wild out there wonderful jack kirby ideas for cartoons
1: that never got made. right right yeah because he was uh just a fountain of creativity at that point now about this time because of the Siegel and Schuster situation and the efforts of Neil Adams, who was quite influential in getting the publishers to at least, you know, recognize that creators are not interchangeable cogs, but actually, you know, people who mm. wanted some kind of security in their life. I mean, there were a few little uh, steps being taken. And uh, the emergence of independent publishers such as Eclipse and Pacific and of self-publishing all around this time and changes in the distribution model um, meant that there was finally some way to own your own characters in a more, um, you know, practical way. And Kirby was right in on that. He got in there in
2: 1980, right at the beginning. Right. Made a deal with Pacific Comics to publish Captain Victory and the Galactic Rangers, <laughs> which incidentally has just been brought back as part of the whole Kirby Genesis thing. Yeah, published by Dynamite. So you know, and Kirby lives. Kirby lives, and in one case is actually paying the Kirby family, right yeah. on Dynamite. Um,
1: and then also 1984 miniseries Silver Star, mm-hmm. and, and also uh, with Steve Gerber, who had his own beef with Marvel. He co-created uh, Destroyer Duck, uh, which was a he, benefit of comics. Right. He he was
2: not only fighting for his own creator rights, but you know, in sympathy with and helping out other creators in this
1: movement. Mm-hmm. Well, he was a rallying point rallying right, for a lot like of it, which, yeah. uh, which, you know, he had an ongoing battle to get his art back, which I think we'll, we'll explore a little bit further, but, um, you know, he was definitely, uh, a lot of comics creators had moved to the West Coast at this point, I mean, there had always been, you know, the New York had always been the nexus of the comics publishing world, but but about this time, it really, you know, became national, and and he was very much a... Beloved figure to the community on the West Coast, and of course at Comic Con every year he would be faded and uh, you know uh, uh, adulated with everything and as befits the king yes. of comics. And, and I I think I, I would I would like to say I mean in his biography uh, Evanier suggests this, and um, I mean I don't think Kirby ever uh, gave up some of the pain that he had at not being treated as he should have been. Um, but I will say he I think he had some measure of comfort in his later years um and he wasn't able to draw because of some physical uh problems or at least not draw very easily but i do think uh the outpouring of fandom and love that he had at that point yeah. and you know everybody really recognizing him and younger creators uh, uh you know recognizing i never him. actually
0: saw kirby speak or got to meet him uh, did you ever, ever?
1: Uh, yes you i did, I did. Mm-hmm. yeah i met him um mm-hmm. you know many times yeah and mm-hmm. um you know, I mean, it was, uh, well, we'll get to, to that in our yeah. own personal reminiscence. Yeah. So, but I mean, he was absolutely the center. I went to, they had a, par- a birthday party for him at Comic Con one year. It was his 75th birthday party, and I was very honored to be uh, invited and to be there and to help celebrate. And it was, you know, a highlight of my life. I'll never forget, really. Um, there was about 600 people in the room, and you know, it was, you could cut the love in the air yeah, with a yeah, knife. Yeah. And I, I think he and Roz both saw that, and yeah. I think they both, you know, I think his last years were at least spent knowing that his yeah. work had, was being recognized, and he was getting the, the respect that he deserved. Yeah. it's, uh, and, I, I, and it's I,
2: not all losses on Kirby's no, part. No.
1: I mean, he, he actually won
2: a number of victories that yes. other creators would not have. Um, when I was talking about the romance comics uh, and how the contract went sour... Kirby and Simon um, felt that they were not being paid properly for their romance comics as in accordance with their 50% contract, and uh, they demanded an audit, and they brought in their attorney, and they felt that the company owed them $130,000 for work done over the years. They didn't get that, but they did get $10,000, which was significant money at that time. Um, I I think Crestwood thought they could get away with not paying them, and they couldn't. Um, And... You know, although for years Marvel owed Kirby his art back, and it's true that you know a vast percentage of it did not get back to him. Finally, uh, creator and fan thirteen thousand
0: pages out there. Ten thousand to thirteen thousand
2: pages of original work was there. He got back about two thousand one hundred pages, which is you know a small percentage, but still a lot, which, you know, he was able to sell for good money, thank goodness, um, because he just would not give up. He would not give up, and uh, creators who were in, va- in support of him would not give up, and fans would not give up. Right. Um, and that was a great victory. Yes. Yes.
0: Um, he died on uh, February 6, 19, 19,
1: 1994, and, uh, 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 at the age of 76. Yes, right after the... Um, northridge earthquake as i recall we were all just um you know recovering from that and then the news came that kirby had died and um you know there was another earthquake and uh you know i was living on the west coast at the time and i also went to his funeral that was quite a you know a somber occasion um i've never seen so many great people in comics in one place as i did you know everyone who was anyone was there at that day at the funeral and um
0: Well, I think we've arrived at the personal
1: reaction. Yes. I am definitely having a personal reaction.